following your passion and chasing your dreams is becoming a norm today. People are starting to move away from the traditional eight to five job and doing what they love and enjoy. Now more than ever is the time to think about how we can turn those passions and hobbies into a sustainable income stream that will not only support your lifestyle, but expand your impact. Welcome to the Creative Monday Discussion Show. I'm your host, Mervyn Budrum, and we are Creatives Transforming Lives. Welcome back to the Creative Monday Discussion Show. I'm your host, Mervyn Budrum, and I will be with you for the next hour. I just want to thank you guys for tuning in tonight. If, you are, if you're an aspiring influencer, an entrepreneur, startup, a thought leader, speaker, author, coach, consultant, or someone who is looking for inspiration, motivation, and insights to transform your business, professional, or personal life, then you are in the right place. I'm really excited about tonight's episode as we are talking about passion and how to turn your passion into an income stream. Now, this is a topic that I love. This is a pop topic that's dear to me. This is a topic that I know a lot of people right now are trying to figure out as we're in the middle of COVID and we're in the middle of this pandemic, trying to chart our way forward. But I just want to say for those who are watching on TNC uh, here in Belize, those who are watching on Caribbean Invest TV in Europe and the Caribbean region, our Facebook page or our YouTube channel, I just want to say welcome. I just, I, I just really want to thank you guys for choosing to spend this hour with us. This episode is brought to you by Gospel Music Buzz, bringing you the buzz on gospel and wholesome content. Gospel You're listening to Gospel Music Buzz, bringing you the buzz on gospel and wholesome content. Tonight, our guest sits in the space that I love. She is in the entrepreneurial space as well as the music space, as well as as a thought leader. Uh, uh, she's an expert. She's written films, TV. She's written for films and TV work with producers, composers. She has her own independent label, uh, One Far to One Street Lane Media. She has so much that she has to offer. And I actually, I'll give her an opportunity to share more about what she does and who she is. But tonight we'll be talking about how to take our passion, take the things that we love, the things that we're, we really enjoy doing, the things that we're called to do and use that to generate income stream. Uh, so I want to welcome to the screen, Dr. Angela Maas Poole, uh, joining us from the USA. Good evening and welcome, welcome, Dr. Angela. How are you doing this evening? Good evening, Marvin. I'm doing great. And thank you so much for the opportunity to join you tonight on the Creative Monday Discussion Show. Okay. It's such a pleasure to have you. I am really excited about this discussion and I'm really looking forward to the insights that you will give us. So uh, just to start off, you know, you're, you know, 
we're talking to a lot of the Belize population as well as uh, the Caribbean region. Tell us a little bit about who you are and, and, and a little bit about your background. Sure. So I'm Angela Mapu, and for the past, let's say, 20-plus years, I've been working professionally um, as a CPA, which is a certified public accountant. I believe in Belize it's a chartered accountant. Yeah. And uh, I've also um, had the opportunity to consult with my firm, with the CPA firm. I have my own firm, and I consult with colleges and universities, not-for-profit organizations. And I'd say during the past 10 years, I formed our own independent label, 141st Lane Music. It's named after the street that I grew up on. Oh, cool. And I decided to turn my passion into profit and go ahead and start my own label because all the years that I was doing my CPA firm, and obtaining my uh, doctorate of philosophy and educational leadership, I have always been singing and writing. Yeah, uh, I've been pursuing all these other pursuits and passions, and I made the leap about this year, a few months ago, to just go fully, fully, fully uh, into wow. the music thing. And so uh, I would say the past year has been just fully all music because I was dabbling in film and TV, dabbling in writing, dabbling in uh, you know singing, singing in choirs, and, and putting out music. But I decided, you know, it's time to turn that passion into profit and go full full force this year. That's amazing. You know, you know, it's it's so cool to hear that, and it's so amazing to see that. You know, you've you've kind of gone through different phases because, um, you know, as a CPA, you you talk about dabbling dabbling a little bit in film and TV and kind of come full swing to that inner inner passion. How 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 did you identify your passion, like? Was this something that in the latter part of your life, was this something from your younger? Like, how did you come to recognize that this was something you're passionate about? You know, it really, if I ask my mother, she'll say, you know, my whole life or since two years old, she had identified music as my passion. And I've always been singing and writing. I even wrote for little uh, little school, uh, little singing groups and then singing choir. I always loved to sing. I always dreamed of singing on Broadway or being a yeah. Disney voiceover uh, actor singing, you know, in, in songs. But it wasn't until maybe the past two, three years that I decided to really do this. I ran away from music. I was definitely afraid of the stage. <laughs> yeah. And as much as I loved music, I was afraid of it. And so I decided to work in the background. You know, I'll just be a music executive. I'll just mm. be smart and learn math and be an accountant, right? I'll just go to school and do that and just do my music on the side and hide that. Yeah. I was afraid of it. And it wasn't until recently um, that I really, I'll say maybe the past two, three years that I really began to own that passion and just acknowledge and say, yes, music is my passion. And, and I not, not just that I enjoy music, but I love serving others. Yeah. Music. I enjoy teaching others how to write music and how to produce music and how to uh, make income from their music. And I just decided that education is my passion. Business is my passion. Singing and songwriting is my passion, and I'm finding ways to put it all together to serve other people. Man, that that you you touched on two things. I want to kind of go a little bit deeper. And you you know, a lot of us, a lot of us are in that space where there's something we're passionate about, but you know, there's either fear, there's some barrier, there's something that's keeping us from fully diving in a hundred percent. Speak to us a little bit about that. Like, how did you? kind of overcome maybe some of those fears you know like you said music was your passion but you were scared you were, you were afraid of your passion and 
some of us are afraid of our own greatness that's locked up within us. So help mm -hmm. us a little bit to unlock that, dive a little bit deeper into that for us tonight. You know, it's funny, um, you know, it's true that you will have what you say, right? And so I remember growing up, I would, I had people in my family who had attempted to do music. In fact, I have an aunt who was a professional opera singer and she sang jazz at night. Um, and she was discouraged um, by the industry, by the music industry at that time. And she decided that she would put her dream away and just go be a government worker. And she retired as an executive in, in government, but has a beautiful voice and never sang. And that was her passion, but she wasn't able to use it. And I think somewhere in my mind watching her, she tells me stories of how she would bring me behind stage with her when she would go yeah. sing. And she would bring me and I would hear her sing. And I just, I wanted that. I, I just uh, admired that. But somewhere I had this limiting belief that if I become a singer, I can't live off of it. It's not enough to make mm. money, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I knew of other musicians who were always struggling, always, you know, begging, you know, and I just felt yeah. like, I, you know, I don't want I don't want to have a passion that makes me have to be like destitute in my mind. I didn't think yeah. I was good enough to live off of this passion or talent or whatever it was, this gift. And I would always tell people and people would hear me sing. They would say, why aren't you singing? Why are you doing this full time? And I would say, well, because I like to have food. I like to have a roof over my head. I yeah. like to eat, you know, and I said that for many years. And I, I just really, you know, this you know, recently started to, to question and check those beliefs to say, no, you can profit from this. You can live from this. You are enough, right? Yeah. I've recently come to this place of speaking to that little self in me to say, no, you are good enough. Stop being afraid of it. And you can yeah. live off of this. So I think that was one of the reasons why I ran away from music or was afraid of it. And also, excuse me, also when I was younger, I had opportunities to sing and my mother was very, 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 very forceful about the gift and, and just adamant, you are going to sing. And she yeah. was me on stage all the time. So I remember being like five or six years old and just making up in my mind, I do not want to sing because everyone's staring at me. And I didn't understand that staring at me was them admiring the gift and being in awe of the gift. And I took it as judgment. Yeah. So I've always been like kind of shy and like, an introvert by nature, but I can have extrovert qualities, but I just felt like I can't, I don't want all these people staring at me, you know? And so yeah. if you look at some of my older uh, CD covers, I was putting out music all these years, Marvin, and it was never being promoted. I wouldn't tell anybody mm. about my music. I was just putting out music, working behind the yeah. scenes. And if you look at my covers, my old covers, I'm looking down, I'm looking away, I'm looking with my eyes closed. But the cover that I have now on the project that I just released, I'm sitting on the stage, facing forward, looking at the camera as if to say, you can see me now. It's okay. Yeah. You, can now. you can hear me now, you know? And my mother said to me, you know, it's about time that you finally see what we have always seen. I love that. You know? And so I had to come around full circle to that and, and just really own it and accept it. And my voice is my voice. Yeah, and, and and this is it. This is my passion, and if I can use my passion to to help others and serve, it, it will profit me. It, yeah, I love that. I love that. I love how you went full circle. Like you. You kind of went, you know, from you're a young, you know, this was the passion. This is what you want. And then you brought it out. You kind of went different directions. You tried different things and you came full circle. And I know several people watching, they're saying this resonates with me. This is really good. I, my, my, 
Moses Bob said this resonates with me. And so again, guys, I want to encourage you, share, send in your mm -hmm. feedback and let us know if this is resonating with you. Because a lot of us, a lot of us, that's kind of where we're at. We have passions, we have dreams, we have things locked up within us. And for some reason, mm -hmm. I love what you said earlier, there's a fear, mm -hmm. there's some limiting belief system that's holding us from fully stepping into that passion and accessing it. And you know, I, I I want you to speak a little bit. You earlier you said you know you dabbled in this, you dabbled in a little bit of that. Now you're kind of coming full circle back. How how are you using all those different elements? How are you using those now to serve um serve your passion now? Because I don't believe anything is wasted. I believe that every season of our lives and everything we go through, we can utilize. So talk to us a little bit, but a little bit about how is this being as the CPA aspect of your life? Um, I know you've done some nonprofit charity work. You've done several other things. How are those now complementing and cre creating that synergy for your current passion and what you're pursuing? That is so good. Um, you're making me really dig deep because <laughs> a friend of mine was just telling me the other day that if you only have a hammer in yeah. your toolkit, then you will see everything as a nail. Hmm. Right, because that's all you have, and you're just gonna hit whatever. It could be a screw; it's a nail to you, because all you have mm. is a hammer, right? And so, what what I've been allowed to do, what God has blessed me with, is picking up all these different tools in my toolkit, right? Mm. So I have accounting, I have uh, songwriting, I have, which has allowed me to learn the business of music, which helps me in my with building our label, our independent label. But along the way, I've worked at colleges and universities as a CFO. So I've learned the business of education. Mm. And in my process, I thought I wanted to be a college president. I was on that path. I was trying to pursue that. And I said, you know, I've learned how to operate an education business. My, my PhD is in educational leadership. So that's another tool, right? Yeah. And I've learned leadership. I, I became a John Maxwell speaker and trainer. And I just, you know, I'm just saying, okay, I have all these tools. How do I use them in my toolkit? And so as mm. over the, the course of all this, I've been connecting dots and saying, okay, how do I connect music with education and with business? And we're using our label as an independent label to train and teach other independent artists to see themselves as labels. Because well, until you're signed, you, as long as you you're signed, you are a label, right? Mm. And so we're using education, we're using music, we're teaching about publishing, teaching them about songwriting, teaching how to make money in this business, even as an independent artist. And then also I'm, I'm building an education program to teach young adults oh. from a workforce development standpoint through my non, through my not-for-profit foundation for wealth building, how to make a career in the music industry with an apprenticeship program actually teaching creatives how to make money with their music and how to put creatives to work. So it's, it's a constant building, but That's I'm good. determined. I don't just want a hammer in my toolkit. I, I really love that. I really love that. I, guys, if you don't grab anything, grab that. Because what I'm hearing from that, we have a responsibility to expand our toolkit. We have a responsibility to add to our toolkit. And so it's okay 
you know, I'm hearing from it, it's okay to go through different seasons to to develop another tool, to find another tool, to sharpen another tool. So yes, there is the main passion that we're pursuing, but it's a journey. And if you go through seasons where you got, okay, I got to strengthen this tool. I got to find that tool and add it to my toolkit. That's awesome. That's really wonderful. You know, so, so Angela, talk to us a little bit about the, you know, what, what we really want to, you know, hear that whole aspect of, okay, what are some practical steps that you had to take to say, okay, now it's time. This is my passion. I've identified it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've, I've identified the tools within my toolkit that I, that I need to support this. How do I go about to start pull it together? How do I go about um, using the right tool um, identifying the plan and mapping it forward. What are some steps that you would advise us to, to consider? Sure. There's an anonymous um, writer who said, live your passion and do what you love. Help people and the money will follow. Mm. And so what I have found is it comes down to three P's. I learned from Dr. Fred Jones, who teaches a best-selling author who teaches how to write your best-selling book and how to tell your story. And he says that your story is how is what's going to deliver you, what's going to bring the resources to you. And he, he teaches on what he calls the five P's and I've narrowed it down to three. Okay. So you need to first identify your purpose, right? Yeah. Of course. And so that's, that's the problem that you're solving with your passion. How does your passion solve a problem? Yeah. And so Simon Sinek, who's a best-selling you know, author and leadership says, it all starts with why, why am I doing this? Yeah. Whether it's music, whether it's cooking, whatever your passion is, if you want to make profit, why are you doing it? What is your purpose and what problem are you solving? Is there even a need for what you do? Mm. Because I, I was listening to your guest before, the accountant who was talking earlier, a lot of people have passions, but they can't profit from their passion because there's not a need for it. And so it really mm. just to a hobby. Right? Mm. And so the difference between a hobby and something that could be profitable is there's a need for what you do and what you're passionate about. So how, who needs what you have? So that's the yeah. second piece. People. Who is your people? Who are you called to serve with your yeah. passion? Who needs what you have to offer? And then once you determine that, then it's a matter of the third piece, setting your price. What does it cost? Yeah. Right. And so there's some practical steps to that. So once you decide what your passion is and what your special thing that you can offer is, and who you need to serve with it and help solve a problem with it, then you decide on the price. Maybe if it's coaching, if it's catering, if it's teaching, figure out what one hour of your time is worth and yeah. put a price on that. And then you start there. And maybe it's building a, a course online. Maybe it's a podcast. Maybe it's tutoring uh, you know, students. And you'll have to do some research. You know, There's a, a saying out there that, you don't become a master at something until you have done it for 10,000 hours. <laughs> and so, I, you know, however many years that takes, but yeah. you have basically become a master at that thing, then you can charge a premium price. And so people don't buy your product. They buy your purpose. They buy the mm. reason that you do it. I love that. So I my husband that. and I went to a, a house show a few months, a few weeks ago, and we met this lady who was selling uh, purses, like handmade purses and baskets and uh, place settings. And trust me, I don't need another purse, Mervin. <laughs> I don't need a place setting. I don't need a basket. But I bought her products because she shared with me her story of how she sells these products so that she can 
make money to send back home to her family in Peru and that they hand make these items and she brings them here to the States to sell. So I bought like six placemats that I'll probably never use. I bought a purse I'll probably never use and a basket because I bought into her why. And because of that, I yeah. bought her products, right? Yeah. And she probably charged a price that was more than I would pay for it normally, but I, I wanted to support her, her reason, her, her why, the problem yeah. she was solving, the people she was serving. So you'll have to be able okay. to understand that whatever you have, it's got to be serving someone. Your passion has to serve someone. Who are the people that you, that you solve a problem for? And then you put the price on that, determine the value of your time. I love that. I really love that. Great, great insight. And uh, we're getting some great response here. Um, people buy your purpose. Um, guys, write that down, stick it up, put it in front of you, make it clear, which also means that we need to become better at articulating our why. We need to become better at communicating our why. Um, and, and I think that, that that is something that a lot of us need to grow in and improve in. Um, Angela, one of the things um, as you were speaking just now, and I, I'm not sure what it's like for you guys on this side of the world, we struggle a lot with setting our price. Um, mm -hmm. We struggle a lot in kind of finding that price that that is that it's worthwhile for us, but yet it's adding value to our client. Mm -hmm. um, and most of the times we underbid, we undercharge because mm -hmm. We're, we're, we're just unsure. So how, how would you go about, how would you advise? And I know you said just now about being an expert and putting the time, but I know a lot of people that have put in the time, they're experts in what they do, but yet they struggle with that, finding that price point and kind of communicating that. What advice or what tip would you give to, to those viewing along those lines? Well, I start with figuring out, well, what would I pay someone else for this? Yeah. Right. Because someone else is doing it, I'm sure, in some way. It may not be the exact same way that you are. But if I need a personal trainer, what, what do personal trainers cost? And if I feel like my passion is helping people lose weight and you know eat right, then I might look at what other personal trainers are charging and what would I pay for that same service. And if I you know need someone to help me clean up my house or declutter my, my home, you know, what would I pay someone else to come in and do that for yeah. that hour of time? So you, you can use some market research that way. If it's something that has never been done ever, you like, which is very rare, right? There's nothing new under the sun. But if it really is truly that original and unique that no one else in the whole universe has ever done it and you can't find any research, then you would just have to uh, think about what one hour of your time is worth. Think about the time it takes you to prepare to do that service all of the costs that you may put, be putting into it. Maybe you're building something and it has a physical cost uh, of materials. Think about yeah. the cost. And then, you know, what would be a reasonable overhead and profit? And then you develop your own rate based on that. And then you just ask friends, what would you pay for this? Yeah. Well, maybe you're good at something because often you have people tell you, oh, Burby, you're so good at this. You should start a business. You, yeah. you know, oh, you're so good at hosting, you know, podcasts. Can you help me to set up a show? And then you'd say, well, let me think about that. Well, what would you what would you charge me if I needed you to set up a Creative Tuesday show for me? You know, <laughs> yeah. well, how many hours does it take you? And then you kind of put together your price and you say, yes, I can consult you on that. And you, sometimes you ask the potential customer, well, what would you pay me to do it? I like that. How important is it to you? What problem can I solve for you? You know, what is it worth to you? I love that. 
I love that. Very great insight. And guys, I want to remind you, if you have questions, you have comments, you ha you want to join the conversation, feel free to send in your questions through the comment section, as well as uh, our WhatsApp number. It's 501-623-7898. And you can join the conversation. We are talking to Angela Poole, um, and uh, we're getting some really great insights from her tonight. Um, you know, Angela, earlier you were talking about... Um, just, just your journey, and you know, I'm. I love stories. I love to hear kind of like the background and um, how you became who you are, and um, and the space you're in. If you had to look back in your life, what's one of the biggest things that you had to overcome um, as, in order for you to be where you're at right now? And what lesson did you learn from it? I say besides the fear of singing, because one of the things that in order for me to be a successful songwriter, um, I realized that I had to let people hear the song, which meant yeah. I had to sing it or get someone to, to, to sing the song, right? So yeah. that other people would know, oh, she writes music. Let me go to her if I need a song, right? So that was one of the big fears, just letting people hear me sing. But the other thing was being afraid to change course. Hmm. I'm one of those people that once I plan and I've set the steps, you know, I, I prayed about it. I wrote down my plan. I wrote down my goals. And this is supposed to happen this way in this many years and down this path. And if something happens to throw me off, it was hard for me to course correct. Mm -hmm. and, and so sometimes I feel like I, I would stay in things maybe longer than I probably should have because it's just that escalation of commitment. I've already started this. I'm going to finish yeah. it. Right. And so and so I think one of the things that looking back, I would start to see. Uh, course correction um, opportunities sooner. Yeah. And there there might be opportunities to, to change direction. But at the end of the day, I, I don't have any regrets, though, because I believe that I'm where I am supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be there, when yeah. I'm ready for it. And I did pick up more tools along the way, even in that. Right. Yeah. But learning to see, learning to identify when to course correct and not being overly committed to something when it's not, you know, going the way maybe you thought being willing to reassess. Yeah, I love that. Can you can you give us a little bit more there? I love that course correct just jumped out to me. And you know, I, I think a lot of people, they're kind of in that vein. You've started down something, uh, you've started a passion. You said, hey, I'm gonna do this passion and I'm gonna pursue it. And I, I, I love the book, um, Necessary Endings, right? Um, mm. And some things just need to come to an end, but sometimes we've invested so much into it um, mm. that we don't know how to let go or we don't know how to pivot and turn it and curve it a different direction. So maybe talk to us some of some practical lessons, how you identify when it was time to start to turn and pivot yeah. or yeah. when it was time to even maybe let go and help us to recognize some of that from your experience. Sure. And I'll tell you, pivot has been the word this past 18 <laughs> months. If, if COVID has taught us nothing else, it has taught us to pivot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So we, we've learned how to change just how we do business, how we live. You know, we've all had to learn how to be remote, how to be virtual. You know, just everything is, is different. The new normal is even new. Like, I don't know that it will ever go back to normal. What was normal yeah. before, right? And so the sooner you learn how to adjust, so maybe you were owning a restaurant and you had to learn how to do catering or how to do takeout, right? Yeah. And so that's what I had to do. I was on this path and, and 
allowing people to kind of dictate my path because they were looking at these tools in my toolkit, in my toolbox, saying, oh, you could be this and you mm. could be that and you should be this and you should be that. And sometimes we make the mistake of doing things just because we can, mm. but not necessarily because we should. Yeah. And so I found myself pursuing things that every time I would try to go through certain doors, they would, I would get to a point and then it would slam in my face. And I would keep going, well, maybe that's the enemy fighting yeah. me, right? And then you're like, well, no, maybe I'm not supposed to go in there, go in that door. Maybe it's protection, right? And so that was, for me, uh, what was a path for um, higher education presidents. I, I, I was serious. I wanted to be a black college president. I was <laughs> going to do it. I was a CFO for three HBCUs, the largest um, public, the largest private. I mean, I was, like, on my path, right? But every single time I would get to a certain point, a door would close. And I would just be saying, well, why, God? But every time that door would close, the Lord would give me a song, a hit song, <laughs> to write about the experience. Yeah. Right? And so I said, well, okay, maybe I really do need to be doing this music thing. And as I'm putting together all these experiences, I've learned I've traveled to Israel with concert chorales from some of the colleges. Uh, that I've worked for. I've worked with schools that have um, music affinities with large bands. And I've, you know, I've, I've gotten all this information for how I could merge my passion of music with my passion of education and be able to teach and train young adults. So I will end up being the president of my own school, just will not be in the way that I thought it was, right? And so sometimes the way you thought or imagined a thing may not be exactly how it comes out, but that's not to say it won't be what it is you just made you see through a glass you know dimly right and so it, it might be a little a little um uh blurry but you still see the shape of that thing yeah so you just have to you know give yourself time for, for you to adjust for your eyes to adjust uh get some windex clean the glass look at it more clearly right and give yourself time to grow give yourself time to learn how to use the tools in your toolkit yeah. Well, to, to gain the expertise, because if you're going to make a passion off your profit, excuse me, and make a profit off your passion, you have to be good at it. Yeah. You have to practice. That's one thing yeah. I've learned with this music thing. I haven't, you know, all these years that I was running away, I wasn't doing my vocal lessons. I wasn't perfecting my gift the way that I should have been practicing. So now I'm coming out here having to get these reps on stage and having to, you know, learn the artist side of it right yeah and so you have to be good at it put in those hours and and become a master of that thing become someone that whose gift is important that is needed to solve a problem if you're going to be a, a pro golfer and that's your passion in order to profit you have to be good at it yeah right yeah you have to practice you have to be out there early in the morning when it's hot you have to you know if you're whatever it is that you want to be profiting from if it's your passion, you have to practice and be good at it. So I would say, you know, just be willing to do what it takes. And if you yeah. have to course correct, if you have to, maybe you thought you were going to be a pro golfer, but you ended up doing a golf camp for underserved children. You're still golfing. It's still your passion. Yeah. You're still serving. It just, it's a, just a different way than you saw it, but you're still very much using your gift and passion, right? Yeah. It's so true. don't be afraid of that. Yeah, I love that. You know, for 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 me, one of the things, and what I loved what happened in COVID, and even before COVID, I had to, 
step back and reassess uh, mm -hmm. what was the why, as we talked about that earlier, and what's the vision, where am I heading, what's the direction I'm going in. And, you know, it's interesting because uh, even in my first business venture, when I started, what was driving that for me was just a desire to, to really serve young people and serve uh, those in the community. And initially, and I'm sharing this story because it's it's it, it's triggered by what you're sharing. It we might have one idea in our minds how it should look, and then when we step out, that that adjustment and course correction needs to happen. So I had this big idea and how it was supposed to look, and mm -hmm. I was going to do all these things. And when I stepped forward, it didn't pan out that way. And years later, come full circle, I realized what really was driving me was a desire to one, build a healthy business community. Um, mm -hmm. and when we got clear on that, everything started to kind of fall in place and part mm -hmm. of why we're doing this show. And, and then also a desire to inspire people to freedom and wholeness. And when, when we got clear on the vision, clear on the why, uh, it was easier to navigate the, and, and make the next choice. And when yeah when opportunities came it was easier to know if this was in line with where we're going or it, it will take us off course right, right. And so I, I think it's 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 critical and even what you said earlier really identifying that why um being willing to being willing to make those adjustments along the way so that we can get to where we need to go right i really i really love what we're here talking about tonight and for those tuned in um again please send in your questions comments um and this comment from Melanie, um, God is so good that when we are off course, he nudge us into the, into the person he designed us to be. Your ex explanation of your story is powerful testimony of this. And it's so true. Mm -hmm. He nudge us back in. Mm -hmm. I love that. He nudge us back in. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm really excited for that. So what, what I want to talk a little bit about right now is, you know, some of your um, charity ventures. Um, mm -hmm. I saw that you've uh, worked with... Um, um, at risk kids and done several um, eras in those like talk to us a little bit about that yes so um, I have for let's say maybe the past 10 years um, it started about 10 or 12 years ago I would shut down my CPA firm in the summer for two weeks and I would just have fun with uh, preteens and high schoolers teaching them how to write music and how to how to make Song, and it was called the Digital Music Academy. And this is before we had uh, streaming. We actually still made CDs back then. And um, that was just my, I would tell my husband all the time, you know, if I could just do this full time, <laughs> I just love this. I'll be there barefoot, you know, for two weeks. And when it was finished, I have to put back on my high heels and go back to the office and go back to being a CTA, you know, which <laughs> yeah. I love, but I, it wasn't as fun, you know. And so I, I love doing that. I love working with underserved uh, youth. Uh, my husband and I, um, through our not-for-profit, the Foundation for Wealth Building, like to focus on financial literacy programs and economic self-sufficiency programs. And so we've gone into um, the parks with the um, city that we're in and built in music studios for after-school programs. We've done that. Um, as well as I like to use my music to support causes and bring awareness to causes, such as domestic violence, uh, breast cancer awareness. Um, I've, I've done some fundraisers for um, Jack and Jill Foundation. Wow. So anything that I can do just to help in any way, the music and the passion and the songs can help to raise awareness and help to um, serve others. I like to do that. I like to write theme songs for 
different causes and just find ways to, to teach youth and expose youth. That's the other thing. That's the difference between underserved youth and others. It's yeah. underserved youth. They're just as talented. They're just as gifted. They just don't have access. They're not as exposed. And so anything we can do to expose our youth, I'm all for it. I love that. And, you know, and guys, I, I asked Angela that question because uh, so many times we're pursuing just the profit side and we feel that we have a responsibility to give back um, and really help those who um, are needed the most. Right. And so it, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's essential. If you're going to be in the business space, entrepreneurial space, uh, as you're pursuing your dreams, as you're pursuing your passion, look for those opportunities to give back. Yeah. And it's, it's better to give than to receive. Look for those opportunities to invest back into the next generation, invest into others. Uh, and Angela, I want to go back a little bit to, to the, to the music space. Um, and and this was a question that came in on WhatsApp, but says, so you've been committed to doing your music for the past year or two years. When did your passion start making a profit? And what specific steps did you take to ensure that it was more than a hobby, hobby pursue, but an income pursue? And because earlier you talked about the difference with mm -hmm. pursuing your passion versus just having this hobby that you're doing, right? So, exactly. So I would say it was a hobby, uh, maybe for like, 15 years, and then the past two years is when I said, okay, this is for real, right? And the way that I did that was through publishing, understanding okay. publishing, understanding what the master is of a record, understanding uh, how a record is produced, understanding contracts, right? So I took the time to study and learn throughout the years of writing for film and TV behind the scenes, being able to see what a good contract looked like. Yeah. Knowing that the, the money follows the writer, the money follows the publisher. So the more artists and singers can learn how to write, right, that creates a stream of income, a passive stream of income. And so that's why it's so important that um, the work that I do with our label and with education and with teaching young adults, I'm teaching them how to write. I'm teaching mm. them how to build their, their publishing, how to build their catalog of music. Um, teaching them how to take their music and sync it uh, or have it be used in film and TV, which is a source of income and revenue. Um, and so the more teaching them to get their music in video games, right? Yeah. And so that's a source of income. And so that that's the way that you make profit as, a, as an artist. You can also do gigs, you can sing, you can do concerts, but COVID taught us yeah. right, that that may not always be available, right? So, but your, your stream of Passive income is still there. In fact, COVID taught us there was a need for more streaming. More streams, there was yes. A need for more Netflix specials that needed music. The need for more sync for film and TV. And so, um, you know, becoming uh, aware of those opportunities, being in groups uh, that are that are saying, "Hey, I need a song about lemonade. I need a song <laughs> about lollipop." You know, and being able to write on a dime. And, and I love teaching artists and teaching singers who think that they can't write maybe in their mind, they have a limiting belief that, oh, I'm just a singer, I don't write. And showing them that you, if you have a story, you can be a writer, right? And I saw show them how to write their own story and to become a songwriter and build their publishing and that's the source of the revenue. Very good, very good. Where do you, this question um, uh, came in, this is from Chris, Chris, 
Christiana Moore, where do you start to pitch your music for films, etc.? Hi, Christiana. Thanks for joining us. Uh, yes, so it really starts with relationships. And for, my experience has been, uh, you know, joining groups, joining groups such as um, the Music Supervisors Guild. There's an association of all the music supervisors who work on plays and uh, TV and film, being a part of that group, uh, attending their events. Uh, joining your your pro organizations such as ASCAP or BMI, they have songwriters uh, roundtables, and there are other songwriters groups uh, that you can join and, and uh, partner with other songwriters. There's groups such as Taxi.com or Song Trader who are always looking as well. But it really starts with relationships. So my first sync opportunity came from someone who knew someone who knew someone who was working on a movie and just said, "Hey, I need a song." And, we submitted a song. We knew someone who made the track, and you'll be you'll be surprised, uh, Mervin. Although I'm a gospel artist, yeah, I write, I write hip hop. Uh, oh wow! I used to hear one of those. <laughs> I write all kinds of music. I have country music, rock music, jazz oh, nice. music, right? And so that's the other thing: opening your ear to hear all kinds of music, right? And so my my personal passion is that whatever the genre of the music, I want it to be inspirational and uplifting and positive and energizing. So I have I have you know stuff that's sports you know based that I and I collaborate. So it's about building relationships. I collaborate with other writers, other um, people who make tracks and people who rap and different types of singers. I do I love doing collaborations even with my music with other singers because sometimes the music that I pitch needs a different voice. Yeah. For the song. So I have no problem uh, collaborating with other singers, doing duets, even demoing my songs with other singers. Because I want the song to be able to sell itself with the right sound. Very good. Very good. Another question came in from WhatsApp, and this is from our Belizean audience here. Um, how can Belizean musicians pursue that option? And I, you know, so I guess the, the, the other part of that are you and your label um, open to working with artists uh, internationally? Yes, we're always listening uh, to music. We, we um, listen to music tracks and write to that. I love those sound of other cultures. I, I like to have my ear tuned into world music yeah. um, because obviously, you know, the world is so much bigger than just the U.S., although yeah. people in the U.S. like to think it's, it's <laughs> the U.S. The whole world is so big. And so, yes, we're um, always uh, listening for music and music can be submitted uh, to contact at, I'll put it in the chat, contact at 141st Lane Media. Okay. And you can you can send there and you can even DM on Instagram, it's just 141st Lane at 141st Lane. Um, and, you know, we just um, it's all about building relationships. So we just like to meet people. I would encourage Belizean artists and other Caribbean artists to, to uh, you know, especially now with COVID, there's virtual groups you can join. Yeah. Songwriting groups you can join until we're back able to meet in person again and attending yeah. live conferences, but you can definitely uh, connect through virtual groups. Very good. And guys, for those tuning in, we, we will post all the links, um, all the reference as well um, on our site. You'll just go to creativebundleshow.com and go on the podcast and we'll post this podcast 
up there and we'll have all the, the links available there for you to get it. So for those who even are watching the rerun, we have our friends in Antigua and Barbuda who watch the rebroadcast of this. Uh, good night and greetings. And you'll be able to um, get all the links and the reference that we're um, talking about on the site. Uh, guys, I, I really love this episode. I'm really um, excited. Um, I'm grateful for having Angela. She's given us so much nuggets tonight. Angela, as we're getting ready to wind down, um, talk to us um uh, you know from a leadership because you know you you spoke about uh john you did the john maxwell leadership training as a leader talk to us a little bit about what does it look like to lead yourself in terms of your passion and dreams and pursuing your passion and dream talk to us about the importance of leading yourself and maybe practical tools uh that we can use in leading ourselves forward in pursuing our passion and dream sure John Maxwell has a quote that he says a lot that leadership is influence. Yeah. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. And so to the extent that you can influence people, you're leading them. And so if I like to use my passion for music and songwriting and teaching to influence. And I'd like to use that um, influence for inspirational music and uplifting, you know, you know, music. And so for me, it's about what difference can I make? What difference can my passion make in the, in the lives of other people? And so, you know, really just have to, in order to um, influence my own self, <laughs> right? Yeah. To, to um, keep myself motivated, keep myself disciplined. You know, it really just takes a focus. Like, this is why I'm here. I'm here to make a difference. And how can I make a difference today? And, you know, what... It, you know, someone said earlier about alignment. I think you may have said it, um, yeah. Mervyn. You know, what is your life mission statement? Just like in business, I have, I have clients that I say to them, what is your mission statement? Your mission statement is kind of why you're here, what's your purpose, what are you trying to accomplish, right? And so when you have other things that kind of uh, try to derail you or try to distract you, you come back to your mission statement. Say, why am I buying this? Why am I spending money on this? Is it in line? Is it in alignment with my mission? And so keeping your personal mission statement at the forefront keeps me kind of aligned with why I'm here. You know, I'm here to make a difference. And there are times we fall off. There are times we don't, you know, eat right and, and yeah. get enough sleep and drink enough water. All that we do. We fall off the wagon. But you get back on because you say, I have course to make correct. A yes, course correct. I'm yeah. here to make a difference. Am I mastering my craft? Am I yeah. practicing? Am I am I listening to enough different types of music? Am I keeping my ear attuned? Am I spending time praying and meditating or finding that quiet place to really tune in? Am I am I practicing enough? You know, do I even know how to make money? Right? Yeah. Am I learning mm. about publishing? Am I learning about business? Am I learning about contracts? Because uh, you can have a passion, but if you don't learn financial literacy, if you don't learn the difference between a revenue and an expense. Right? Yeah. If you don't learn how to manage your cash, and if and if that's not your tool, your toolkit, find someone whose tool is that. Right. That's good. Uh, there's a website. There's a good website out there. It's called CPAnear.com, and it's where you can go to find a CPA near you. You know, so wherever you are, you can you can look. And if, if that's not your tool and your toolkit, find someone that that's what they do, and, and hire them. If your skill is cooking. You know, if you're really good at cooking, but you're not good at printing the recipe book, find yeah. someone whose skill is printing, you know, and, and graphics design to help you design your 
your flyers, you know, so that you can do what you do, which is cook, right? So learn how to make money and then be willing to take that leap of faith. You know, I had to just decide, you know what? It's time for me to do something else. It's time for me to be in my passion. It's time for yeah. me to, to do this thing and just my husband and I say all the time, okay, we're out here now. Yeah. <laughs> no turning back, right? Take that leap of faith. And there comes a time where you have to put that biggest obstacle aside, which is fear. You know, the people, you know, it's not lack of money. It's not lack of time or resources. It's fear. Yeah. That's the biggest obstacle. Put that aside and take that leap of faith. I love that. I really, really love that. Uh, you know, with, with with this current reality and where the world is at, you know, it's 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 now more than ever we got to take that leap of faith and find. You know, one of the things I always say: uh, do the things that I am good at and surround myself with the people that's good in area I'm, I'm weak with. Right. So it's right. important to to harness those areas of strength and then surround ourselves with people. That can fill the areas of our weakness about staying our lane of passion you know angela I'm, and this is my question for me right this is my personal question my reality i'm passionate about a number of different things um i i have two companies i'm running we have the podcast we have all these different things talk to that person out there who they're i i call them that serial entrepreneur they're very passionate about multiple things there's the overarching why that serves it all but talk to them in how they can manage these passions and manage their pursuits? Like what are some of your uh, management approach and skills that you use on a regular basis? Well, I'll tell you for time and project management, you know, people who have multiple gifts and multiple tools, such as you who have multiple passions, we struggle with trying to do everything at the same time. Yeah. And you can't do it all at the same time. So you're going to have to learn to prioritize your time and decide each day, okay, this is all I can do today. There are some days I'll, I'll tell my husband, I'm doing one thing today. And that's, it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's it. I can't do five things today. Just because you're, you may have five talents doesn't mean you use all five of them every day. Right? So there was a time for me to carve out focusing on my doctorate. I had to just check out from my family for four years and basically say, you're not going to see me at, at, on weekends. I won't be at the, the parties. I'm going to miss some people, you know, weddings and baby showers. I have to go to class. And my program was a Saturday program. I worked full time Monday through Friday and went to class every Saturday. Wow. I did that for four years. And so I had to carve out time where that's all I did. I was still writing music, but I wasn't in the studio recording during that time. Mm. Right? I have a book that I'm finishing that I've been writing for seven years. I put it aside because I was focusing on my PhD. Now I can get back on my book, right? So you can have multiple passions, but you don't have to do them all at once. And so you really want to be able to give the focus to the, the thing that you're working on at that time to give it its best opportunity. Yeah. And you, you know, you've, you've heard the saying, you can be a um, jack of many trades, but a master of none. Yeah, jack of all, master of none, yeah. <laughs> but you actually need to master something. If you, especially if you want to make it profit you, you need to decide which one you're going to master and focus yeah. on mastering that one. Yeah. You know, and don't try to do everything at one time. I love that. I love that. Well, man, thank you so much, Angela. This, this, this has been really amazing. Um, I've, 
I believe our audience definitely uh, enjoyed the discussion. Uh, I enjoyed the discussion. I really appreciate it. No, here, here on the Creative Monday show, we have a saying that that we say, treat every day like it's Monday, like it's a Monday. Uh, when you hear that, what does that mean to you? What 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 resonates with you when you hear that? Oh wow, I like that saying. Yeah. So Monday is for me the start of the week, and it's when I try to set my goals for the week and plan. And it's, it's the day that I want to be the most productive. I feel like everything kind of goes downhill from Monday. <laughs> and we're already by Tuesday. We're like, is it Friday yet? You know, <laughs> so Monday is the day that I can be the most productive. And so I treat every day as the day that I could be the most productive. I love it. I love it. And that, that is, that's what it is for us. I it, um, treat every day like it's a Monday. We show up ready. We show up productive. We show up ready to pursue our passion, our dreams, and we go for it. Uh, Angela, I really uh, want to thank you for joining us tonight. It was definitely amazing. Uh, uh, it was really, really insightful. Is there anything else in your heart that you want to leave with us as we're, as we're winding down? I would just say first, thank you for having me on the show. It's been my pleasure to share with you. Uh, just for anyone who's tuned in, thank you for everyone for tuning in, for commenting. And I just want to say, don't have fear. Don't be afraid. Yeah. You know, take that leap, take that jump, identify your passion and just go for it. Figure out who you can serve, who you can help with your passion. What is your purpose? What is your why? And go for it. Man, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate that. Uh, I I just want to close off our time uh, just by just by encouraging folks to go and follow Angela. Um, go and follow what she's doing. Her label, uh, she's doing a lot. So you want to go and check her out and connect in with her. Not but it's all, at all the same time. <laughs> not all at the same time, but it's all connected, right? It's all. Right. If you want, I I always say, if you want the holistic view of what she's doing. Go and check it all out. So, like for me, I always tell people if you want a holistic view of what I'm doing, go to my website, mervinwoodram.com. You'll see a little bit of everything that I'm doing. But go check out Angela, follow her on Facebook, Instagram, look her up on LinkedIn, connect with her, watch this episode over. I, I always encourage folks to, you know, sometimes as we're having these discussions, little nuggets slips in there and we can miss it. Uh, pause, write it down, take notes. I want to say shout out to Gospel Music Buzz Sherwin for, for helping us with this connection. And, and for everyone, thank you guys so much for commenting. Thank you guys so much for sending your feedback. Um, and we we love doing this, right? This show is for entrepreneurs. It's for startups. It's for those who are looking for inspiration, motivation, and transformation for their lives, right? And so that's why we're doing this, right? And so um, next week episode... Uh, we're going to be right back here again next week, Monday at 7 p.m. Uh, we actually we're going to do what we call our entrepreneurial spotlight. And that's where we bring some entrepreneurs on and we're going to highlight some of their products, what they're doing. Um, talk to them a little bit about their journey and just really amplify their story to us. Right. So I just want to encourage you guys totally connect in, invite your friends. We have a really cool entrepreneur that we want to show you guys and we want to feature next week. Uh, we're going to see you again next week on Monday. Same time, same place. Blessings to our friends in Europe on Caribbean Invest TV. Blessings to our friends in Antigua and Barbuda um, on So Arise TV. And again, thank you so much to, to TNC for broadcasting this program on the, on in Belize here uh, and and I want to, I just want to say God bless you guys and have a great evening and I'll see you again next week.